Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and this is the village of mom supporting mom, parents supporting parents, because really everyone needs to know that they're not alone. And my guest today is my dear friend, Erica. And Erica and I met through our husbands because our husbands are fraternity brothers. And I feel like the first time I met you may have even been at a L football tailgate. <laughs> I 100% think that's exactly where it was. And um, I remember just thinking, it's funny because at the time I was like, oh my gosh, that's Sarah Jordan, (laughs) like from the radio. And it's just funny how like you'll look, like you look at people and put them on such a pedestal when you probably just feel like I'm just Sarah. Like I'm not, you know, there's, I'm just me. You know, so. I feel like a lot of people, I feel like strangers know me as Sarah Jordan and my friends just yeah. know me as Sarah. Cause if ever, if yeah. my other friends or like close people ever call me Sarah Jordan, I'm like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> that's like addressing somebody yeah. by their first and last name. Like that's weird. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and it's funny because when I'll now, like I know you as Sarah, Sarah, mom of three, Sarah, you know, Neff, Sarah, who is married to Peter's fraternity brother. And so it's just kind of funny how it's evolved, but I still have to be like, for Peter, I have to be like, you know, Sarah Jordan, who married Brian Neff, who's now Sarah Neff. And like, you have to like go down the line of explaining like how we know each other. Well, so, and I've done that since I grew up. I, when I would introduce myself to people, I, since I, I currently live in the area I grew up in, it's, do they know me since high school? Because then I need to reference my maiden name. Do they know me from work? Right. In which I'll say Sarah Jordan or the, do they know me by my married name? And so it, then it just becomes a super awkward introduction. Cause I've just named myself three things. So <laughs> <laughs> you just got to go around being like, I'm just Sarah I'm just with Sarah. your hands out to the side. Like just Jess. So, just Jess. so are you from the Louisville area? I am. I am. So when people do the whole weird, where did you go to school? I immediately know to say I went to Eastern high school. Because that's how Louisville actually works. They don't mean college. They don't care. They mean high school. Exactly. Because that, I mean, that's the most important, right? Of course. Everyone <laughs> wants to remember their high school years as their like peak years that they need to be known by. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, like that kind of just segues into what you and I were chatting about beforehand. I mean, just if I could go back in time and tell that girl, stop caring about everybody else, man, I don't know if I'd be where I am now, but it would be interesting to see that high school version. Um, I just think it's kind of interesting that people in Louisville, like that's what they want to know where you went to high school. It's like a very big rival thing. So if you went to Eastern, your rivals Ballard, if you went to assumption it's sacred heart, you know, it's like, and, and then sometimes the rivals have another rival that you don't know about. Correct. So, and I think it's also hard when you, it's, it's a blessing to be able to know people connect the dots. You always know a friend of a friend or they're related to somebody you worked with somebody, but then at the same time, it's like, I don't need them to necessarily remember that girl (laughs) or what I did back in middle school. (laughs) Like I just want to be me now. Yeah. So when did you meet Peter in college? I met Peter Well, actually, I met him when I was in high school. Um, He is the little brother in SIGUP of my older sister's husband. 
That's which funny. most people know him as Shug <laughs> from college. Um, but that's definitely not his real name. But the, anyways, they Kristen, my sister, came home and she had um, Shug and Peter with her. And I was outside. Like, Peter can tell you the whole story. I was outside washing my car. He's like, I know exactly what you were wearing. And... I still joke about it because I'm like, okay, creeper. Like I he I was wearing red shorts and a white tank top and I was washing my car. I was a senior in high school. And that's when that's when he first like quote unquote met me. But we didn't obviously like hang out. I was dating someone, you know, in high school and he was dating in college. And then when I was a freshman in college, that I was going through rush. And I was standing on the um, steps of SIGEP talking to my now brother-in-law, Jonathan. Let's just give him his real name. And yeah, shook. And he was telling basically everybody in the fraternity, this is my little sister. You cannot date her. Which then like made me very appealing, I feel like, to a lot of them. Because they were like, well, why? Like, why? She must be cool. And um, Peter and I became friends after that and he was actually dating someone else. So, um, we truly re-met again at Beer Nose, which is no longer there. Oh yeah. On campus. And Sigep had a party and Peter was the DJ. He named himself DJ Memphis, um, <laughs> because he had a leather jacket, like Memphis Reigns from Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh my. Yeah. Okay. I, Right? I know. This is making us sound really cool right now. It's college days. It's college days. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Let's just go down memory lane. You know, I like it. Beer Nose, college. It was their fraternity party. He was DJ Memphis. He decided to have a booty shaking contest. And I'm all about dancing all the time to anything. And I ended up winning. And the funniest part about that whole story is that he asked for his $20 back because that was the prize. You won $20. Like, I don't know why it was such $20 was such a big deal as a freshman, you know, in college. Like, that's a lot of money back way back when in 2002. Um, So, yeah, he asked for it back and I didn't give it to him. I kept it. And uh, we've been friends and now married with three kids since, since then. So how you met him your freshman year of college and you guys started dating? Yeah, we dated for about uh, two and a half months. And before going to college, I, in high school, I was in a really awful relationship. And honestly, that's probably where a lot of my, um, anxiety and depression and just all of those things that I now deal with as an adult, where they probably started, I was in a terrible relationship and it was kind of verbally abusive, which is typically mentally abusive as well. And, um, I remember finally breaking up with that boy after being with him for two and a half years and going off to college and my mom was like Erica you go to college and you you go on a date tonight with this guy and go on a date with that guy tomorrow night and just have the experience like don't get tied down to anyone so here I am I meet Peter 
and we just click. We, there was no, you had to be awkward around this person to kind of make them like you. Like I could just be me from day one with him. And that, you know, that escalated quickly into he said, I love you. And I was like, whoa, mom said, like in my head, I'm like, mom said, don't get into a relationship right now. Like go have fun. Go don't have any regrets. So I broke up with him. And yeah, I know. Right. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) I broke up with him and I did. I went and dated other guys and from, you know, other fraternities and from other places. And I had fun and probably a little too much fun at times. And then my um, really good high school guy friend, Jesse, who was like my wingman for a lot of it. Um, he decided that he had had enough of me like still talking about Peter and he trapped us both out on a boat in Taylorsville Lake. Like he drove me in his car and somebody else drove Peter and we didn't know the other one was coming. Cause of course when you break up and like you go date other people, he went back to an ex-girlfriend. You start to kind of like talk badly about each other. Of course. I don't know why. Right. Like, cause you're trying to convince yourself like, Oh, he's terrible. But the whole time you're like, man, I really miss him. And so then we get trapped out on the boat together and we didn't talk for like the first 30 minutes. And then it was like, all right, grow up. You like him. You love him. Like, let's just see what happens. And that was probably, I think that was about nine months after we had broken up we got back together and we've literally been together ever since. So, um, was that the same Jesse that I know possibly? Yes. Okay. It is. See, yeah. When I, I, I never was in a sorority. So when I met my husband, I did not know anything about the Greek life. And I did not realize that basically when I started dating Brian, that I got welcomed into this whole group of people from U of L. And honestly, when I went to U of L, I was already working full time. So I wasn't really focused on making friends and meeting new people. And so when I met Brian, even though it was my senior year of college, he opened me up to like a group of people in college that is the group of people I wish I would have always had. So yeah. And that's one of the great parts about sororities and fraternities that I didn't realize when I thought I didn't have time for them was like, it gives you a community, especially when you're in college and know no one. So mm-hmm. that's why it's like, I know the Jesse you're talking about because I know him because of my husband. And I have to say, that's very sneaky of them to put you guys out on a boat. This sounds like a like late nineties, um, teenage rom-com. Um, it really does. <laughs> now that I'm saying it out loud, it's like never been kissed exactly. with she's all that, just like all that. rolled up into one. Exactly. <laughs> this is what happened. But what a story. And I mean, I know that you and I both have friends that they may not have gotten married until their mid thirties. And you found Peter when you were what, 19? Yeah. And, um, you know, we got back together. So I would have been 20 turning 20 when we got back together. Um, and he is, he graduated in 99 from high school. So he's two and a half, you know, years older than I am. So that was a little bit of a challenge for a little while. Cause I wasn't, you know, he went out to the bars and I stayed at home, you know, and like waited for him to come back from the bar. <laughs> um, so 
Yeah. But we met, yeah, long time ago. Long, long time ago. But that's what I love. It's like, I met Brian when I was, I was 21, but I was, he was about three and a half years older than me. And it's, it's fun being like having an older boyfriend. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it's exciting. Not when, not in your case, in the fact that you had to just watch him go to the bar or I guess in worst case scenario, maybe even be the DD. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. I did that a couple of times, you know, but you do that again when you're pregnant. So it's just kind of like, it's conditioning you, right? It's definitely conditioning you. So how old were you when you and Peter got married then? I would have been 23. Yep. Yeah, 23. And then we had um, our now 10-year-old when I was 25 and I turned 26 um, like six days later. So um yeah, we've, and now <laughs> I have a seven month old, you know, so we had that big gap of time, but. So you total, you total have three girls. Yes. I, yes. We have Lily, Reagan and Ruby. I love your story because it does remind me of my, cause I feel like when, and I don't know if you ever got this feedback when I got engaged and married at age 23 as well. Um, a lot of, I got some of those, you're really young. Are you sure? Like, are you yes. really young? Is this really what you want to do? Or they'd make a, a joke like, oh, don't worry. You can always uh, work on it the second time around. I'm like, what? Um, yeah. Like, what is that? Like, why do people do that though? I think I did get that a lot. I feel like it's people projecting their own insecurities of possibly what happened in their own life. Um, mm-hmm. Or wishing they could have found somebody at a younger age. Cause my husband, Brian and I are celebrating our tenure and a wedding anniversary this year, um, together 12 and actually we got married at 23. And then I had our first, my first who is now just about seven when I was 26 as well. So I've followed on a similar footstep, even though your kids are just a little bit. So you have a 10 year old, how old's Reagan? She is eight. She just turned eight. Okay. Yeah. Your first two were close together then. Yes, they were two and a half years apart. Okay. Which is a totally different and... ball game when like you're in baby mode. Yes. Because I yes. mine are we're 22 months apart. So they're now seven, well, almost seven, five. And then yes, I have an eight month old. You have a seven month old. <laughs> right. It's just it, you know, when when I found out I was pregnant, it's such a blessing. It's never like oh my gosh, this, this was completely unexpected. Cause I mean, you know how you get pregnant. So <laughs> yeah, obviously it's not like a complete shock. Like we can literally remember exactly the moment that I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so having, having being pregnant, like in my thirties and it being completely after like having your second kid. And I quote unquote, I don't really like this phrase, but I'm just going to use it. Like you get your body back. Yeah. Your body never left you, but you kind of get your, your body back to being super strong and like everything's kind of going into (laughs) back into place. And then you find out, you know, seven years later that you're pregnant again. And the difference is, though, this go around, I was in the best shape of my life and in a career that kept me active the whole time. And 
I really think that when I got pregnant when I was 25, you know, you're 25 and you're just thinking like, I'm 25, like I'm going to enjoy this pregnancy and I'm going to be, I'm going to just walk. Like I'm not, I don't really need to do a whole lot. I'll just eat whatever I want. Cause you hear people say, enjoy your pregnancy, eat whatever you want, you know, and, and do those things. And well, yes, I'm an advocate for do you like, if that's what you want to do in your pregnancy, do exactly that. But this time I didn't, I didn't have that a, because I have two kids that I've got to tote around everywhere and, you know, they're super busy when they get older. And then B, I have a career now that I show up to four and five times a week that is indoor cycling and I'm the instructor. So it's very high energy the whole time. And I did that until I was um, right before a week and a half before I had her. So yeah, fitness <laughs> is definitely something that I feel like now is probably the thing that you're most known for around the area outside of the fact that you went to Eastern high school. <laughs> but I mean, That is really something you have hung your hat on was physical fitness and not just as Mm -hmm. I want to get in shape, but it really corrected your lifestyle as far as like how, where you found your happiness and your peace. Absolutely. Um, to touch back to, you know, what I kind of mentioned earlier, my senior year, having had gone through what I did in the relationship that I was in at the time, Um, I didn't realize how detrimental it was to my physical, you know, and mental well-being because long story short, the guy liked other girls as well as when he was committed to me. Let's just put it that way. And when I would compare myself, you know, because that's what you do when you're a teenager. You're like, well, if you kiss that girl, she's really skinny. I need to look like that. And I started to go down the road of not properly taking care of my body, skipping meals, working out for two hours. And then, you know, I'm, I'm leaving senior year going into college and I'm thinking, well, I am determined not to gain weight because there's that elusive, you know, freshman 15 that people talk about or, you know, whatever it is. I don't even know if it's a thing anymore. But at the time, you know, everyone's like, oh, you go away to college and you're going to gain weight. Well, I was the opposite. I was like, I'm not gaining weight. Like, I'm not doing that. And so it became this very unhealthy relationship with working out and food. And to the point where I started to see, like, I would just be so tired all the time and crabby and... Um, you know, making really poor decisions and not necessarily going to class. And, you know, you just, when you're not taking care of yourself as a whole, you know, inside and out, it affects everything around you. But while you're doing it, you have no idea. So finally, after I had, you know, my second kid and I went down the road again, where I started to have really bad postpartum depression and anxiety. And I didn't know what it was. And I had no idea how to deal with it. Because in between having Lily and Reagan, there was really only like maybe a half a year of time that I might have gotten myself quote unquote back. And then I got pregnant again, you know, 
So you kind of just go through that whole emotion again of your body's not necessarily your own. It's a vessel to grow a human being. And then because I breastfeed, I'm my body's still not necessarily my own until I'm finished. And I didn't quite know how to harness all of that anxiety and depression and all of those things that were happening to me. Um, And I had a friend reach out to me and she said, you know, I'm running these online accountability groups. Would you like to be a part of it? And that seven years ago was what catapulted me into this whole, I am going to take care of myself lifestyle. Um, It's not, you know, I'm never on a diet. I'm never out to lose X, Y, and Z. I'm always just working to get better, to get stronger, and to be the healthiest version of myself. Because I want my kids to see their mom, you know, enjoying exercise and not punishing myself with exercise. It's a gift. It's not, you know, something that we should take well, A, we shouldn't take it for granted because some people can't work out. Um, you bring, but you bring up something that, I mean, you have been very open about, uh, postpartum depression, anxiety, and when you're pregnant, I mean, good God, there's so many things to try to figure out what is going on with my body, but you spent so much time talking about what happens to your body and the baby first trimester, second trimester, third trimester. I don't feel like enough women really pay attention to what's going to happen to your body after you have the baby, um, both mentally, hormonally, um, physically, obviously everyone only thinks about the physical part, but there are so many more things that happen to a woman after the baby is born that I don't feel like enough people talk about. Again, the reason why I started this podcast, because I think that is the piece where people feel the most isolated. They feel the most alone. They don't know what things are normal. Should I be feeling this way? Should I be thinking about this? Is it normal to cry this much? Am I just tired because I'm not sleeping at all? And obviously lack of sleep doesn't help you build up those barriers to help protect you mentally. But right. it's definitely something that I think needs to be talked about more just because your body just grew a human And then either you just went through a massive surgery or you pushed a baby out of your body. Now you have yourself and you have to take care of something that you've never done before. It is not Mm -hmm. easy. And so it is, it is something that I'm glad that you recognize. And I agree with you. I, I got pregnant with my second while I was still breastfeeding my first. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a break at all between pregnancy and breastfeeding for almost four years. Yeah. And like, when you look back, like while you're in it, it doesn't feel like a large amount of time necessarily. But when you look back at it, it's like, wow, like my body was not my own for a long time because I was help. I was giving, you know, so much to this little human that I needed to, keep alive and give nutrients to, um, and be in the best, you know, be in the best mental like place that I can be to take care of them. Um, it is crazy what happens in that quote unquote fourth trimester that a lot of people don't like prepare you for before you have kids. And I think that knowing that this time around with this pregnancy that I would experience that, 
it was easier to deal with. So can I, well, this is something that I honestly haven't talked about a lot, but I know you and I have specifically discussed. So yeah, you and I, when was Ruby born? She was born on December 9th. Okay. So our kids, Maggie was born November 8th. So yeah, exactly a month apart. And we found out, so there's what, an eight year gap then between? Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. So I'm only at a five year gap, but you, I realized you were pregnant with your third and I was pregnant pr- with my third and you and I started texting each other because we both didn't want to share that there, that they were surprise pregnancies or that right. the first initial feelings were that of not that you, I was completely happy, but shocked. And mm-hmm. I was in disbelief for a very long time that I was actually pregnant. Yes. And I felt guilty that my first response, I cr- started crying because I was in shock. But then I said to my husband, I was like, my body my body for the next two years is not my own. And I'm not one of those women that breastfeeds and loses weight. My body clings to it. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I immediately, cause you and I had this conversation and we were like, this is not something we can really talk about because we don't, we don't. And how awful that we can't, I know, you know, like, I mean, mom shame is like a real (laughs) mom shaming is like a real problem. Oh, it is. And but you it's, and I were experiencing the same kind of, oh my gosh, like, yeah, this is weird. But then you and I also experienced the same thing of people looking at us going, oh, you know how that happens, right? Oh, did was this was a surprise, wasn't it? And I was like, you realize you're asking me about my sex life, right? Like, you know, that's yeah. the question really is asking me, don't you? Um, yeah. Right. But then, it's like eventually when I, the more my stomach grew and the more I could feel the baby, I realized then, then my disbelief washed away and I was mm-hmm. back to feeling just like I did with the other two, just as thrilled and excited and counting down completely impatient. Cause I was in pain most of the pregnancy, but it's just, it was a conversation that only you and I had, honestly, I don't think I ever talked to anyone else about that other than you, just because we both were kind of in that, this is hard. <laughs> Yeah. Like, and I just remember being, I remember staring at that test and being like, oh my gosh, no, no way. No, uh, uh-uh, no. And then like I told you, know, like I said briefly before, then I was like, oh yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, I am. And just telling him, I remember showing him because he found out three days before his birthday, I was going to try to save it. And like, happy birthday. Like you're going to be a dad to a third, third baby. Um, but I couldn't hold it in. Cause I was, I was like crying just because I didn't know how he would react because we'd gone back and forth for so long about, do we want a third, you know, do we want to try for a third or do we not want to try for a third? And then just a little bit backstory, not even going into that, you know, we lost my father-in-law last September. And I think that when we found out um, that my father-in-law had the diagnosis of um, Parkinson's and Lewy body dementia, we just put, we put that on pause. We put the idea of having a third on pause because we didn't know at the time how much of our life was going to be in, you know, surrounding my father-in-law and my mother-in-law and supporting them because we are the family in town, um, to, to do that of his siblings. So 
I think we just kind of put it to the side and it's in a way when I look back at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like the universe knew we needed this. We needed, we needed something for everybody to be excited about and we needed it for, you know, like, well now even more like with this pandemic, you just kind of think like, thank God I do have this baby. It's, it, she's bringing us such joy and light in in a in a very dark period of time and losing him and then having her we had that light and then I was on maternity leave and then I went back to work and then I was back into quarantine you know like you know but she's been this bright light the whole time we keep calling Maggie the emotional support baby um, yeah. because that's what she gives everybody in this house. She knows nothing of that's going on. All she knows is the love in the house that she doesn't leave very often. Um, right. but she loves everyone here and she's happy and she makes us all smile and we all are watching her grow and we're getting the opportunity to be at home more to actually be able to witness it when typically now that I'm working from home, I'm typically working at the office and I don't get to see it. Um, right. and I, I agree with you. Brian and I had also gone back and forth and we were like, are we going to have a third? And I was like, no, we're not going to, not going to, not going to. And I can remember Brian was like, I think you're pregnant. And I, I told him absolutely not. And he brought <laughs> home the pregnancy test. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he was like, no, I can, I can tell ch changes in your body. Take the test. I'm telling you you're pregnant. So I peed on it. And for the, the other two times I knew I was pregnant. I knew it this time. I looked yeah. at it. And I was like, absolutely not. See, it says no. And then I looked at it and it said pregnant and I'm standing there sobbing. Brian's waving the like pregnancy test around smiling <laughs> ear to ear. And I'm like, how are you the calm one? How, I was like, that's how Peter was like, why? Like you and I were just losing it. Yes. And they, and he was like, this is so great. He's crying and I'm crying because I'm just emotional and he's crying. Cause he's so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly that's ex how, how it went and then my parents live here because it's multi-generational home brian walks yeah. out there carrying my my fresh pregnancy test with still like wet urine on it and i'm yeah. following behind him and my parents are looking at me going why is she sobbing <laughs> and you're right the universe works out in such weird ways like luckily like my parents retired while right after i had the baby and we just moved into a house where my parents are here and everything yeah. kind of in some weird way that the universe works shifted and it made it okay and so you're right the last year she's the baby is here and i mean the blessings of the pandemic are again that i'm at home and i haven't had to use like my breast pump and i just get to nurse my baby every day and i've never gotten to do that before and right it's just it's so weird i will say going back into it because i forgot how hard the baby face is though Oh, right. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. And just when you think you have it figured out, you don't. Like, you don't. I mean, I remember looking back three weeks ago and I was at her, you know, six-month checkup and and proudly, you know, the doctor's like, well, how's sleep going? And I'm like, oh, well, let me tell you. You know, like, you're kind of cocky about it. You're like, we're sleeping from 6.30 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. And she's like, oh, wow, good job, mom. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. You know, patting myself on the back. And then fast forward to last week. And now it's like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., maybe 5, back to 3. You know, and it's like 
I don't want to nap. I want to bite everything. I want to cry. I want to scream. Like, and it's just, just when you think that you have it all figured out, you, you do not like you, you can't prepare for what they're going to throw at you at any time. No. And that's what I had to remember. I can remember also going into my four month checkup or was it six months? I think it was four months. I was super cocky too. They're like, how's the baby sleeping? I was like, she sleeps through the night. And they were like, that's amazing. And I was like, isn't it? And one of my friend goes, you're in the golden phase. And I was like, that's not a thing. She's like, no, you're in the golden phase when they sleep. Just wait. And that's a friend of mine who has four kids. And then like six months hit. And I'm like, when does she sleep again? Cause I'm up two to three times a night. And sometimes I'm up trying to get her to go back to sleep for an hour. I call it the double tap when I have to like nurse both sides and put her down twice. Cause by the time I walk out of the room, she's screaming and then naps. I'm like, I don't, sometimes I don't know what a nap is. And then I got the, I got her accidentally too comfortable sleeping in my arms for naps. And mm. it was to the point where she wouldn't sleep in her crib for naps. And I was like, I'm working from home. I'm home all day. I have to have a break. She can't sleep on me too. Yeah. And yeah. I luckily transitioned away from that, but yeah, it is hard. And I, and then I remember what I've told other people, you remember the highlights of the first year of your baby's life, but your brain, I think automatically like blocks some of the bad stuff to make you want to have more kids and Yes, because it's so hard and so much work. And then you remember again, when you have a newborn, you're like, and there it is. Whether it's breastfeeding or yep. sleeping, or crying, <laughs> it's a lot. It Yeah. Lot. Yeah. And now like I, you know, I shared today cause like we were talking earlier, I'm pretty much kind of an open book. There are areas in my life that I don't put on social media, but I do put a lot of myself out there because I feel like moms, women, you know, human beings in general, we don't talk enough about, we only give the highlight reel. Um, and so I was just sharing today, like, wow, here I am seven months still breastfeeding. And I didn't have any intention this time to go this long because I was going to like pump and give bottles and just, and, and just be done and close that chapter and be okay with it because of my, you know, my, my job. But quarantine backfired on me because I don't like pumping. Nope. I hate pumping. It's awful. It's terrible. I don't want to do it. Like, I just don't. And so uh, we never gave bottles during that, you know, lockup. Never gave a bottle. And then I looked at Peter and I was like, oh, we should probably try a bottle again. She hates them. Loathes them. We'll scream. We'll purse her lips. Like, we've tried four different kinds of bottles. We've done the whole burp rag that smells like me, you know, over top of someone else with me out of the house. So she can't, you know, sniff me out. Um, she, she will not, she will go to sleep without eating. And just because she hates bottles that much. I also have had the same issue because <laughs> I was back to work for six weeks prior to quarantine happening. So she was on bottles mm -hmm. every day, all day until I get home from work. Well, then you're right. There hasn't been a need for a bottle. So there's the couple times I've had to leave for an extended period of time. My mom has tried to give her a bottle and she has said, no, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. Now she is uh -uh. eating baby food and other stuff. So I mean, like she's, she's still getting to go to sleep and stuff like that, but I'm like, and now she doesn't take a bottle. You're right. Quarantine has definitely shifted. I mean, with the other kids, I exclusively breastfed and I did pump and I, I made my brain so conditioned to just be like, this is what I do. This is fine. It's okay. 
So yeah. that's what I did. And this time I'm like, well, now I hate pumping. <laughs> Bottles don't work. Um, <laughs> right. But, right. Things have, things have certainly shifted. And I do want to say I'm, I admire you so much for you. You got back into working out as soon as you were cleared by your doctor and you are already, then again, you're right. It is your profession. Like that is what you do. Right. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, I was just starting to get to a point where Brian and I were working out together when the pandemic hit. And now the mental stress of handling the world while working from yeah. with all three kids at home, I sometimes mm-hmm. don't feel like I have any more mental capacity left or strength to simply go work out for 30 minutes. Cause by the time I stop at the end of every day, I've been going for 15, 16 hours straight and I know I'm going to be up all night. So I'm like, do I sacrifice more sleep? And I don't know what to do. Like I haven't gotten myself to that point and Maggie's eight months old and I'm going, I haven't gained any weight during the pandemic, but I have not lost any weight during the pandemic. And that may just be the way. So I think that you have to definitely get to a place where like for me, if I don't do something that 30 minutes, I start to feel that anxiety, that heavy chest that I'm looking around the house, like trying to figure out like how I'm going to do all the laundry and do all the things and like take care of everyone and get, get them places. Cause Peter is, you know, he's working from home right now too. And so there's a constant shuffle and I have, I like last night I, I worked out at like 9 PM and I was tired, but I knew if I didn't, that I wasn't going to sleep well because my body starts to kind of hurt. Um, and then mentally I was going to wake up in a funk because I was kind of in a funk all day because I didn't work out. So you bring up something, everyone right now, I feel like if you have one minute of a feeling that you're not used to, you're like, what is it? Is something wrong with me? What is it? Yeah. I keep realizing that I keep getting this pain in my chest and it's not a sharp Mm -hmm. pain. It's as if there's Mm -hmm. weight on it. And I have realized more and more that that is anxiety that's sitting on my chest. Um, yeah. and it sometimes like almost hurts to breathe from it. And I know that in the past I would use exercise to help regulate that anxiety. And I would know that like when I would start to work out, it'd suck at first. And then I would feel like I was breaking down a wall and that wall was the anxiety. And it's like, yeah. in my mind, I'm like, okay, I just have to get back on the wagon. I just have to get back on the wagon. If I could just do this it would help relieve so much of that anxiety that's building up in my body and causing me physical pain. And again, I'm still trying to get myself back up there, but I mean, I'm, I know that it works. It's just, I don't know what it is in my problem for just wanting to start. Well, this it's, and it's, and it's an old quote that I love. It's the start that stops most people. (laughs) That's exactly right. It literally is. It's, it's that start that stops you because we start to go on the, well, I don't really want to start on a Thursday. I'll wait until Monday. And then Monday comes around and Monday becomes the Mondayest Monday ever. And you're just tired and you're exhausted and you're crabby. And then Tuesday comes around and you're like, you know, like I'm fine. I, I don't need to work. Like I, nothing has re- really changed. And then you get to Wednesday and then it's like the cycle starts over again. I'm not going to start on Thursday. Like we're going into the weekend, you know, like, and so you have to literally just start and you have to just say, 
I'm going to schedule this like a super important business meeting with myself. And even if I have to have, you know, my oldest on her iPad and my youngest or not my youngest, Reagan, my middle, she usually likes to work out with me. So I'll ask her, do you want to work out with mom? Yeah. So sometimes I have to work out to like the Frozen uh, soundtrack or Moana or whatever it is. There are worse And then, (laughs) oh, yes, there are worse songs like Baby Shark. And and then I'll have like Ruby and her walker or I'll have Lily holding Ruby. And I'm like, okay, I've just got to get through 30 minutes. That's it. Just 30 minutes and then I can get to whatever I need to do. But the laundry can wait. The dishes can wait. You know, the bed doesn't need to be made. I need to take care of myself for 30 minutes so I can do those. And I think my problem is, is that I, in my head, make it seem to be, I have to do this before the kids get up or I have Mm -hmm. to do this when the kids go to bed. Cause other time, otherwise I get that mom guilt of, I'm not spending that time with them. And, or I don't have time for that, but you're right. I, I know that I would react the best if I did it in the middle of the day and yeah made it an appointment. And that's what I, you're right. That's exactly what my goal needs to be because my oldest two are more than capable of entertaining themselves, if not joining me. And then if Maggie needs to be in her bouncer or something for 30 minutes or someone holds her for 30 minutes, I have to find that time back for me because you're right. I keep seeing all of these, actually, it may have been you even that's posted them. Um, I can't keep letting myself survive on E and I have to, I have to be more than that for myself. Yeah. So, and that's the biggest thing with, you know, back to the whole mom shaming thing. I I did get some of that. (laughs) Like when I came back to work, well, you don't need to come back so fast, you know, take your time, like enjoy this. And I'm thinking, you know, I know what's best for Erica at 36. I think I know what's best for her. So I'm going to stand up for her and say, you can watch my baby mom and mother-in-law or babysitter, whoever, and I'm going to go back to work and then I'm going to come home. And it's like, you know, if we as society can stop doing that, then moms won't ever have to feel that like break the cycle. Like let's evolve. Women are allowed to go back to work. It's yes. okay. We you are allowed to go back to, to work stay just like men go back to work. And Right. Yeah. Yep. And if I the man wants to that. stay home, great. Like, awesome. do you? <laughs> yeah. Do you? That, I think that's what you, you're right. We need to break the cycle. We need to stop putting everybody inside these little boxes that it's like, you're a mom and you're to this. You're a dad and you do this. Or mm-hmm. you're supposed to do this. Or even down to your child's supposed to be doing this at this age. Or they're supposed to be doing it like this. Will you leave me be? <laughs> like, Yeah. Oh, that, I mean, that goes down a whole other road where is your baby doing this yet? No. no. And it's fine. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> and the whole, like, you know, you, I mean, it, it's, it's ever evolving. It's like, are you breastfeeding or are you formula? There's two shaming groups there. Are you openly breastfeeding in public or do you feel like you need to hide yourself? Again, shaming. Are you swaddling your kid? Or are you or are you not swaddling? Are you sleeping with them? Are you not sleeping with them? Like there's so many different boxes that people get put in and it's like just stay in your lane and high five the people around you because we're all just trying to get our kids to the other side. Like which is tomorrow. 
So just, you know, just do like, and you'll hear me say that a lot. Like, do you focus on yourself, be inspired by the people around you, but don't feel like you're not doing a good enough job because you are, you are doing you. And stop comparing to others because that's not, that doesn't help anybody. And that's a hundred percent the society that we live in. And it's insanely hard not to, we all do it, but what works for you and your family is not what's going to work for somebody else. And that's okay. Like our differences can be celebrated too. It's okay. Right. So yeah, Erica, you've always been just such a positive person. And throughout the years when I needed somebody to help me work out after the other two, you were always right there for me. And I'm so glad that we met each other at your tailgate. Cause you and Peter had the best tailgate spot ever for U of L football. Yeah. That- it will forever be my favorite spot to tailgate a UFL football game. Um, but I'm so glad that our husbands were sick at fraternity brothers so that I could meet you yes. and that you and I can continue to raise our three kiddos in this life together. Even if we don't even hang out, I know that I can always message you or text you and you'll get back to me probably within the hour. So thank you for inspiring so many other people and helping them through fitness and being open and supporting the just do you movement. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Maybe I need to put that on one of my masks. Just do you. I think you should. should. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Erica, I know that I hear a teething baby that's ready for a nap and I'm sure your teething baby is probably just laying there, not wanting to get up or wanting to get up and not take a nap. So, right. I will see you on the floor. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you. And, you know, you do the same for me. So thank you.